Stop the presses. Corey's coming on. <laughs> That's what they did in the newspapers when they had presses. They stopped them. But <laughs> something big was going to happen. We still have presses, John. Still you still have, have presses? presses? Really? <laughs> Seriously. Do they, do, they make, do they make noises and everything? I mean, like the old presses did, or are they computerized and, you know, out of ink? I mean, <laughs> what's... Well, yeah. <laughs> A lot of the process is automated now and done on the uh, computer, but yeah, there are still the giant presses, and they're loud, and they're yeah. fast, and they're dirty, and mm. they require a whole team of people who, I yeah. mean, it's it's really an art in, it, yeah. it's in putting out a newspaper every night, and there are people really dedicated to this and know how to do it, and thankfully, you know, when you have to stop the presses, <laughs> they know how to get them started again. <laughs> do, do, they, do they still do that? Do they still, you know, like all of a sudden go, stop the presses, stop the presses? I, you know, I'm not there overnight, so I'm right. not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm sure at some point somebody. But that would be that, that, that would be yell. that would be due to some sort of late breaking news, some sort of late arriving fact, some sort of change that would need to be made to the paper to make it um, more timely or correct. I guess I'm just guessing. I don't know why people stop the yeah. presses for some sort of change. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, or yeah. you know, you put Dewey defeats Truman all over <laughs> yes. your front page. And- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 720 WGN, John Landecker with Corey Rumor, who you know from the Chicago Tribune, and she's also uh, a person who is well-renowned in wading through the swamps of Florida. So uh, it's a well-rounded, <laughs> well-rounded individual that we have with us. I am hoping that you enjoyed your uh, holiday um, and everybody had a good time. Good, good, it was good. great. I mean, it was warm outside. How could yeah. we possibly complain? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um, there are so many things that we could talk about, Corey. I, you know. Yeah. Oh, but wait. Last week, the one of the newspapers, here it is. <laughs> See if this reminds you of anything. Chicago's <laughs> snowplow naming contest is back for more snow puns. Remember that? Woo-hoo! Yes, that's uh, how we. That's how we met. That is exactly how we met. And you know what's yeah. so funny? I'm doing like a end of 2023 weather roundup this week, and so I was looking through uh, old pages, and I came across a little story that had the winning names from last. Year. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you're right. This is like how we how how we got to be good friends. Snowplow naming contest. Yeah, we banded over snowplow naming, and that wasn't part of what we were supposed to be talking about at all. But now they're yeah. they they keep at it, and they're doing it again. And um, did I have? Yeah, I got the details here. Don't I? Ought to, since we've launched it, uh, submissions can be made at www.chicagoshovels.org. And are limited to 50 characters per resident. Uh, 50 finalists. Voting period between January 22nd and February 2nd. Top six names featured on one snowplow each of the six snow districts. And uh, you'll get get to have your picture taken with your snowplow. Isn't that exciting? All right. So, getting back to the holidays. Boy, did I like your article about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Can we talk? Aww. Can we talk about that? Of course we can. I mean, this is a great story. Um, 
and I don't want to, you know, bury your leads or anything, but this does not have any, this story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and how it came into being does not have any kind of Christmassy, highfalutin, oh, let's do something great for the holidays spirit behind it, does it? No. It was uh, <laughs> to make money. It was to make money, John. Yeah. The, yeah. I, but, I mean, the great part about it was Montgomery Ward was in competition with Sears. Yeah. And they wanted their toy department. They had this brand-new toy department that they wanted to get people to shop at and, and you know, to take some of Sears customers away. Uh, so they came up with the the idea to come up with a story in 1939 that they would give out, something that they would hand out in a booklet for free mm. to customers mm. to persuade them to get through the door and visit the toy department. And thankfully, it fell into the hands of a guy named Robert May, who was a copywriter at Montgomery Ward. And he was given the task of coming up with something? Yeah, he, so he needed to come up with a story that would go yeah. in this little booklet that would be distributed. And it wasn't just the stores in Chicago. It was all of Montgomery Ward stores around the country. Right. And so he, he um, I actually interviewed one of his daughters, and she told me that she remembered visiting, I think it was Lincoln Park Zoo with her father and with an illustrator who also worked with Montgomery Ward, and they thought it would be a good idea to, co- to come up with a reindeer story to kind of piggyback off the, the whole idea of, you know, uh, yeah. Santa and his sleigh and delivering right. toys. Um, and so that's how they came up with this Rudolph story. But they didn't, I mean, he didn't just go to the zoo and go, hey, I got an idea. I got an idea for a uh, deer named Rudolph, and he's going to have a red nose. And okay, everybody go home. I mean, there had to be more to right. it than that. There had to be, <laughs> had to be more yeah. to it than that. It was, it, there was a lot going on, and the inspiration for it came from a poem from 1822 called A Visit from St. Nicholas, mm. um, and so that's where the eight tiny reindeer idea came from, and uh, Robert May said in interviews with the Tribune, he also combined story of the ugly duckling, you know, the underdog. Uh, I think he told the Tribune that he, the reason why the story works so well and why people even generations later still identify with it is because it's an underdog story and we Definitely. all love underdogs. Yeah. And, and, yeah. The, and the name Rudolph was picked because it's a reindeer. So, I mean, there could have been other right. names that began with R. I mean, he didn't just arrive at right. that uh, on its own. It was one of the several are named reindeers uh, that they considered, right? Absolutely right. In fact, Robert May had graduated from Dartmouth, um, at Dartmouth College, and mm-hmm. so all of his papers are now at Dartmouth. So I worked with Dartmouth to get some images, some of the original illustrations to use in the story that's on the Chicago Tribune's website. And in those papers is a list of potential R names. He knew he wanted it to be an R name. And so Rodney, (laughs) Wolo, Rudy, Roland, Reggie, Romeo, these are all possibilities. (laughs) What, um, well, I guess 
Rudolph works because that's the one we've heard and everybody assume you know everybody accepts it. Do you know where the okay. red nose part of it came from? That part I'm not so sure about. Yeah. Um, I I'm not sure where the red nose came from. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if the original poem had anything about uh, red nose. Yeah. But I think the whole it came from the whole idea of being different, having something that makes right. you different from right. others that right. others mock. Um, and so I think that the whole idea of being different, but then again, using that difference um, in a way that saves the day, you know, using it as an advantage. uh, There must have been something that just clicked in his head about that idea that that made the whole story work. Let me make sure I got this right. So we have Sears and Montgomery Ward competing with each other. And Montgomery Ward Mm -hmm. wants to do something for its new toys. And they want to come up with a quote unquote story. And, Mm -hmm. um, they give it to this copywriter who uses other inspirations for developing some sort of story. And eventually he arrives at a story, um, beginning, middle, and end. And needless to say, the people, who, the higher-ups at Montgomery Ward go, okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. And then they publish it, correct? I mean, it's right. it's right. in a storybook form. There's no song. Mm-hmm. There's no song yet. Not yet. Not ah. yet. And it was given away for free. Yes. This was not something that they handed out for free, and then you get in the store, and they had a whole wall of Rudolph-related right. items. No, right. it was yeah. just this free story. And um, I actually was able to go on eBay and buy one that's not in great <sighs> condition. Wow. You know, it's just a soft-covered yeah. uh, booklet. That um, that yeah that was handed out six hundred stores around the United States six hundred different Montgomery Ward stores and so yeah there was no nothing made off this mm-hmm. story no money made initially well, other than you know getting yeah. people through the door well we're going to find out who made money and how it became uh, recorded and more of the Rudolph story when we come back on seven twenty WGN that is old Chicago not sh- well not necessarily Chicago but newspaper. Teletype. And that's uh, one of the things that we're using to come back to talk to Corey Moore, who's from the Chicago Tribune. But I got to tell you something about that sound effect, Corey. You know, I go, I go on YouTube looking for junk <laughs> to, 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 play on, to, to play on the show to make some sort of connection other than just go, hi, here it is. So I hit this section of newspaper teletype. And there is the cover of a sound effect. That is from a sound effects record that I bought when I was in elementary school and (gasps) would take it into the closet with a tape recorder and a record player and pretend I was on the radio. I hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen that album cover. Oh my gosh. In decades and decades. And I don't remember the full extent of every different sound effect that was on there, but I'm like, Will you look at that? Mm-mm-mm. Anyway. Do you still have that record? Is no. it still somewhere in your house? No, no. No, no. Long gone. And you don't need them anymore because they've already been transferred all over to YouTube. And I'm sure you could get That's even better true. sound effects off of, um, who knows, Amazon or, or uh, 
Apple Music or wherever you need to go for digital sound effects. Uh, but then, you know, for a kid at home, that was, you know, the record player was the only way to do it. Um, and I would buy sound effects records and I just had not seen the cover of that album in a long, long time. Anyway, uh, on to the second part of our story from Corey Ramore from the Chicago Tribune. This is the story of how Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer became Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And so far, we have established that Sears and Montgomery Ward were having a competition, and Montgomery Ward asked one of its employees to write a story about Mm -hmm. something. And he came up with the idea of this Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, wrote the story, and it was distributed nationwide by Montgomery Ward and... In your article, it says they issued another 3.6 million copies for its stores in 1946. I mean, Mm -hmm. it obviously was a big hit in print form. It was huge. And World War II had just ended the previous year. So, you know, everybody was... Looking for a jolly Christmas. And yes. so I think that's why Ward decided, oh, this might be a good time to bring this story out again. Yeah, uh, because they struck gold by allowing this uh, guy to put this together, Bob May. I mean, it's yeah. his cre- it's his creation, but he didn't have any yeah. he didn't have any rights to it. I mean, that's the way it is when you create something for an organization. Uh, in many instances, what you create, even though people associate it with you, you don't own it. It's owned by the company That's that you exactly you right. Right, you work for. Happens all over the place. So, oh yeah, for me, my stories yeah, are well, to the end of my stories. Yeah, yeah, they say copyright Chicago yeah, Tribune. You're exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yep. Um, that's one of the reasons I don't want to get into it. David Letterman networks, etc. Anyway, so mm-hmm. what happens that makes this a song? What's the story there? Yeah, yeah. So Bob May had a lot of really interesting connections. And he he knew that Montgomery Ward didn't think much of this Rudolph story. They knew it was popular. But he also knew that it had even more potential than just these free booklets that they were putting out every so often. God, imagine, so, imagine, imagine management not realizing the potential of something. That's never, ever happened in the history of management. It's just mind-boggling, especially <laughs> now how, you know, you have a new movie come oh, out man. or you have a book come out. There's a yeah. marketing effort always yeah, associated yeah, with it. So yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. Surprise, surprise, the guys in the in the fancy offices <laughs> don't know this. Don't get it. But, yeah, so so it was in the back of Bob May's head, like, hey, this this has a lot of potential. And the thing that led him to, to ask for the rights, I mean, could you imagine? I couldn't imagine going to the heads of the Chicago Tribune and mm-hmm. saying, excuse me, can I please have the copyright for this thing that I created? Right. But that's exactly what Bob May did when he saw that RCA said, hey, Montgomery Ward, we think we can make a song out of this Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer story. So Bob May spoke up, and there was actually a guy advocating, you know, at the higher levels of management, advocating on his behalf. And Sewell Avery 
was Montgomery Ward's chairman at the time. And I don't know if you remember this, but there had been a labor dispute. And Sewell Avery, there's a famous photo of him being carried out of the Montgomery Ward uh, headquarters in a chair by, um, I, I, I forget who it was. I think it was like <laughs> a, a military police officer. There was wow. a huge disagreement. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a famous photo. If you should, you can look it up. If you search for Sewell yeah. Avery, it'll be one of these things that, that, that turns up. So anyway, um, Sewell Avery was a guy who said, let Bob May have it. And those are the words that transferred the Rudolph copyright to Bob May. Bob May's brother-in-law was in, in music. His, uh, his name, uh, Johnny Marks. Johnny, his brother-in-law. Johnny Marks was his brother-in-law? Yes. Wow. Yes. This was wow. his brother-in-law. And so he was married to May's sister, Margaret. And mm-hmm. Johnny Marks is the one who worked to come up with the song and approached Gene Autry about performing the song, who apparently thumbed his nose at it and had absolutely no interest whatsoever. But it was Gene Autry's wife who persuaded him <laughs> to do it. And uh, as it would turn out, it w- he would record it in 1949. So yeah. we're talking 10 years after the Rudolph story is first published at this, as this teeny tiny booklet and handed yeah. out for free. It was one of the biggest songs of that season. Uh, I found something that said almost 2 million copies of it were sold. Mm-hmm. It was the first number one song of the 1950s, according wow. to ASCAP. Yeah. So, yeah, everything worked out pretty well for Bob May. Um, in fact, he told the Tribune, it, those five words, let Bob May have it, changed his life. It's what helped him buy a house. Uh, in Evanston, and it, it put his kids through college, and now also his grandkids, because guess what? His family still holds on to the copyright. Oh, sure. So anything you see that has Rudolph the Rudolph, Red-Nosed Reindeer on yeah, it, yeah, it's that's his. copyright. It's under That's copyright. amazing. That is an amazing story. Yeah. And you know, um, as we got into the Christmas season, then different Groups are listing what their research says are the most popular Christmas songs this year and the top 10 mm-hmm. and the top 15. And it's a really eclectic mixture of a lot of things that were recorded decades and decades and decades ago. And then every once in a while, something maybe from the past 25 years gets in there. But this is always in there. So every year, Sorry. this sells some more. And every year, the royalties return to his family. And I think that's just... A fantastic story. And one of the stories that yeah. you will find in Corey Rumor's Vintage Chicago Tribune Weekly Newsletter and how, pray tell, do we get a hold of that, Corey? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, John. Um, you betcha. The good news is it's free. You don't need a Chicago Tribune subscription. You just go to chicagotribune.com forward slash newsletters. And I, like John said, I'm Vintage Chicago Tribune, and I send it out every Thursday afternoon. And there were some other stories that we didn't have time to get to. The Chicago Bears and the Arizona Cardinals, by the way, are the NFL's oldest continuous rivalry at Soldier Field, not the Packers. Don't believe me? Check out Corey's story, Chicago Bears versus Arizona Cardinals. You never hear about it anymore, but Corey, in her journalistic acumen, found it for us all to delight in. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, Corey, thanks again. I always love having you on. Uh, have a great, great new year and hope to talk to you very soon um, next year, as they always say, with the final years wrapping up. Have a good time and all the best to you and your family. Oh, right back at you, John. Thank you so much. You know how much I love chatting with yeah. you. So thank you so much for having me. And right back right back at you. Here's to a great 2024. You got it. Corey Moore from the uh, Chicago Tribune here at 720 WGN.